From Connext Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. But more importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and the brands they call it home can thrive for generations to come. Very often, the most impactful companies around are started by necessity. That was certainly the case for Brian Holland and Phoenix Coffee Roasters. It started as a way to fund a church plant focused on reaching those who needed a second chance. They learned along the way and found new causes to support. And today, you can find Phoenix Roasters Coffee all over Atlanta. It's our pleasure to present the story of Brian Holland and Phoenix Coffee Roasters. Brian, tell me, yeah, you grew up in the, the metro Atlanta area, you know, Clayton County is a, it's a little bit outside of uh, town, but tell me about, about uh, growing up in, in the area and what, what things stuck out to you about the city of Atlanta and the, and the area when sure, you were coming yeah. up. yeah. Ain't no shame in the South Side. <laughs> <laughs> Best start to a podcast we've had yet. Yeah. Come on right. now. That's no, right. that was great. It was, uh, that was a great time to be alive. I mean, that was Smokey and the Bandit, man. 1977. Are you kidding me? Look I mean, that. we, uh, yeah. we moved to, uh, Forest Park Okay. In 1968, I was born in Bremerhaven, Germany. My dad was in the Navy. He was a officer in the Navy. And anyway, I was born out in, in, over in uh, Germany and uh, Forest Park. And then uh, they moved to Jonesboro to yeah. the Lake Spivey area in 1974. Um, yeah, I remember the bicentennial. Just, hmm. I mean, the patriotism of our city. My dad was a, a an attorney in the tallest building in Atlanta. It was the first <laughs> national bank towers, 41 stories. It's, yeah. it's now a government building on the yeah. south side of Atlanta. <laughs> no, it's, the, it's, it's what's called downtown five points. Not right. little five points, five points. And uh, But it was cool, man. I mean, you know, we, we grew up. Dad would, uh, you know, his commute into Atlanta, it was a 18-mile commute. Took him about 25 minutes, you yep. know, or whatever, and mm-hmm. just – zipped on into town and uh yeah i have no context for the the when my parents talk about oh i remember when 285 was being built or i remember when i-75 was being built i don't have context for that but you know i really watched our city grow up um absolutely i grew up in a great church down there um truett kathy with chick-fil-a he was my sunday school teacher his his, uh, son dan was my sunday school teacher and watched chick-fil-a grow up you know my yeah. first job most of our first job was chick-fil-a hateful yeah, yeah yeah well that's right and yeah. uh that's where truett's farm was we used to ride motorcycles but truett you know talk about a work ethic guy he would say come on boys let's go out to the farm and ride motorcycles oh that sounds great <laughs> truett well we'd spend like six hours weeding his garden <laughs> And we would ride motorcycles for like 30 minutes. It only took me two times of riding motorcycles with Truett to figure out I could he ski on Lake Spivey and then have a lot more fun. Hey, the man didn't get where he where he got to, you know, off of uh, that's the dang you truth, know just man. riding motorcycles. You got that right. He uh, uh, one of our life principles. As a matter of fact, a lot of what we do at Phoenix uh, Community of Atlanta and Phoenix Roasters. Hmm. 
uh, is is based on the life principles of Truett Cathy I, and Dan and and the family are just incredible. Um, you know, I spent our desire to keep it in the family, not take out, um, sell off any parts of the company or go public or anything yeah. like that. So, but yeah, I tell you my, um, I know this isn't the Truett Cathy uh, podcast, but it, here here's a life principle that we go by. Um, watching Truett, most people don't know that when he was 49 years old. He was nearly bankrupt. Mm. Eighth grade education. Um, he had um, just lost his brother, and who was his business partner, yeah. in an airplane crash. And their second store, the Forest Park Dwarf House, had just burnt down. Mm. He was on the verge of financial ruin. And, uh, of course, at 93 years old, he died a billionaire, mm. right? And that, that number probably you know would have doubled every five years over the, you know what i mean i mean he was right. just unbelievable in wealth but unbelievable in in his uh, influence here's my here's the truett kathy life principle that i try to go by and that is this here's the key to life according to me watching Truett for 40 plus years <laughs> the key to life is to remain dependent on god when the need no longer exists and what I mean by that is, is by all accounts, if you knew him, he was more desperate in his desire for, for, for relationship with the Father and his intimacy with the Father was greater at the day, the day he passed than yeah, the day he was almost bankrupt, you yeah. know? And so anybody can be... Yeah, um, that's rich. Uh, yeah. 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 And it's, that's a lot easier said than done. Sure right? is. And... That is uh, an example of somebody who, uh, you know, one of few one of few examples that we have of, of somebody living that out. Really, um, quick story ab- about Truett that I heard a couple weeks ago that you'll appreciate, um, and then we'll get on to more of your story. But uh, we d- we had uh, Ashley Weiser, the great granddaughter of Frank Gordy, the founder of the Varsity, on the podcast. Come on, she told a story about uh, both men were kind of you know, early on in their journeys of business, the varsity had been around for maybe a decade longer than Chick-fil-A, but, but the two men were friends. Right. Uh, and Truett comes into Frank's office at the varsity and says, I've got this great product. It's a chicken sandwich. Uh, and I'm interested to know if you'll sell it in your store. And Frank looked at him and he said, no, Truett, my thing is burgers and fries. I, I don't think we uh, we need to do that, but you need to take that and you need to go and, and do your own thing with that uh, and own that and don't sell it to anybody else. You do your own thing. How about that? So, you know, the what ifs that that, that's <laughs> that right. conversation that brings the truth? up. Yeah, that's, but, that's an interesting thought because I yeah. thought you were going to tell me that they used to sell it at the Varsity. And maybe it's because the colors are all similar but right. in my mind somewhere i i thought you could get a chick-fil-a sandwich at the varsity i do know this for sure though down on uh highway 54 in jonesboro across from the old civil war hospital yeah. there's a restaurant called butch's okay now if if it was friday night it was boucher <laughs> but butch's right butch's you you could get you could get sweet potato souffle year round at butch's okay as a meet and three and uh but it was you could you could get chick-fil-a they they Hmm. had the they had the um license to make it at butch's about that isn't that crazy that's weird i i I thought about that for the first time the other day but yeah no i mean life lessons you're right i think i think jonathan 
uh, I'm convinced that uh, Greg Sweat, our co-founder, and, and Jeff and I, uh, Jeff Bagel and I, our other co-founder, we, we talk about this all the time. If you boil down your um, the two things that you could pass on to your children mm. of great value that would serve them well, one is your faith, mm. and one is a a uh, strong work ethic. Mm. If you get if you pass those two things down, yeah. and that, you, you can look at Truett and how he passed that down to his children, and Trudy being a missionary, and Bubba and, and Dan now running the company. Yeah. And it, it's, it, you know, those two things, strong work ethic yeah. and a faith in God. Um, and to teach your kids that those two things are, are you know, inexplicably linked. That's right. You know? That's right. You know, that, yeah. That's right. You can't, uh, you can't have a... Um, a relationship with God that doesn't require work, mm. right? So we have a principle, Jonathan, goes like this. Um, it, it's called the favor cycle, <laughs> all right? And it's based on this the central principle of abundance versus scarcity. Um, when I was growing up, growing up Southern Baptist, preacher didn't talk about favor very much. <laughs> now, that was assemblies, uh, uh, you know, assemblies of God and Pentecostals talked about favor, but but as I've as I've uh, gone through my journey as a pastor and as a Christian, I, I've come to the conclusion that that God's favor is unlimited. There hmm. is no limit to the amount of favor that God has for His uh, children. There's there's no example of limited favor. All there's an example of is limited obedience. So what we say is this. So it's like the Niagara Falls. Can you imagine us taking one of those boats over to the Niagara Falls, and and there's all these um, uh, all these buckets of, of different uh, varying sizes, maybe a, a cup, or maybe a sewing thimble, or maybe a mug, maybe a Home Depot bucket, maybe a a swim, you know, one of those uh, plastic swimming pools. And, yeah. and the guy says, "Look, look, look! There's no limit." to the Niagara Falls, and you're welcome to pick a, a, a vessel, a, a, um, a bucket or something to carry away as much Niagara Falls as you're willing to carry. Yeah. And some people would be okay with a sewing thimble, some, you know, a little <laughs> coffee cup. Somebody's going to get that swimming pool or somebody's yeah. going to back up their own tugboat and say, you know, just pour it down in the deep right. well here. And, and, and so what we've come to realize is, is our capacity to experience God's unlimited favor is determined by our willingness to be obedient. So it has a direct correlation. And so that's really our whole story here at the Phoenix Community of Atlanta and Phoenix Roasters is is sort of the story of saying yes to God. And I tell these guys all the time, look, I, I, I have done everything that we do here. Well, I don't know, Jeff. If I if I do what Jeff does, and that's the uh, finances, but they keep me away from that. But yeah. I mean, I've done everything when it comes to producing the coffee, picking yeah. the coffee, roasting the coffee, uh, nitrogenating the coffee. I mean, it, it, basically, I'm. I tell people I've got the spiritual gift of instigation. <laughs> I get things started, right? Like I can get things started, but now. For the most part, now when I get involved, I slow things down. They're like, "Hey, Brian, this is really nice that you'd come on over here and help us." But we man, got a system. I really in place. think you probably yeah. got other things you need to be doing. We, gosh, but thanks a lot. Really, here, let me. Funny how that works after a few years, huh? I know. And yeah. so, but our, I, I do have this value to the team of saying yes, right? When it comes to starting the the church in 2007, starting the coffee company in 2000. 
um, uh, nine. Of course, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have ever done that without Greg and Jeff to say mm-hmm. yes along with me. But these ideas, these these God thoughts, come to mind, and nitrogenation, uh, which uh, Jeff has laughed at that word for years and years <laughs> nitrogenation he says that's not a real word <laughs> it is now it is now <laughs> it is now <laughs> but uh you know one of the things pastor jack our nitro engineer said to me um that they had all been talking about me behind my back they said uh we really didn't think that was going to work mm. and it, it worked so i guess i have this willingness to say yes but what i've come to to come to realize is that our number one life principle here at uh, phoenix community of atlanta phoenix roasters is life is about relationships Mm -hmm. the rest is just details I, i told jeff and greg this recently i said i don't know if y'all would have ever gotten together and planted a church without me i don't know if y'all would have ever created a coffee company without me but I know one thing that's 100% sure, I wouldn't be here without you. Mm-hmm. In other words, without friends to come alongside you yeah. and, and stand up in those dark, dark days in 2008 to 2013 when we were sharing one salary. Even today, we're making less than we did as youth pastors mm-hmm. back in the 1990s. Yeah. I mean, the, the kind of commitment that our wives have put in, the kind of commitment and uh, our children and sacrifice our children have put in. Um, it's just, I mean, life is about relationships. The rest is just details. Is yeah. just really a big part of who we are. So yeah. Well, and I want I want to go back a little bit to to provide some some background to those early days. So obviously, coffee roaster was not your first profession. <laughs> Tell me the conversations and give me a little bit of the background and the and the, the character development of what led in those years. What was it? You know, the pre two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven right. to lead you guys. Um, first of all, to come together and then ultimately to to start the roastery. Well, again, principle number one: life's about relationships. The rest is just details. Um, I met Jeff uh, in seminary. He and his wife were classmates of mine, and that. That sounds like a very small fraternity. Jeff and Kelly had uh, only a few classmates in the 18 months they were in seminary. Mm-hmm. But since I was in seminary for the entire decade of the 90s, <laughs> I had a lot of classmates. <laughs> so Jeff, Jeff and his wife Kelly were uh, classmates of mine in the early 90s, and I okay. had great. You know, I, I really was in seminary for almost 10 years. Yeah, and so. Uh, but um, that's how we met. We met because of a common friend. Greg mm. and I met because we were youth pastors in Gwinnett County together. I, I tell mm. people I was the youth pastor at the First Baptist Church of Camelot right here in Gwinnett County, and <laughs> King Arthur was my pastor. It was, it was a dream. I mean, I, yeah. had, I had the best church, the best pastor, mm. the best youth. I mean, it was, it was just stunning how wonderful it was. Uh, Greg was uh, on staff in another great church on the other side of the county, and our youth pastor groups used to, uh, our, the youth pastors in our area used to get together regularly for prayer, yeah. and we would do disciple nows together, and um, mm. uh, ski trips, and I mean it was just, it was just really an amazing time to yeah. be in ministry. And so, when it came to starting the Phoenix Community of Atlanta, our church, I started in 2007. Uh, the Lord called me out. Uh, I, I went to Greg and Jeff and. 
Uh, Greg was going through a really difficult time. His mother was very sick and eventually passed away. Um, Jeff um, and Kelly, they decided that prayerfully that to come on and help us late in 2007. And Je uh, Greg came on in uh, spring of 2008, and we've been a a three-headed monster ever since. I mean, yeah. it's been great, and and the truth is, it's not easy. And we've had tense moments as uh, in friends and partners, mm -hmm. but um, their commitment to the kingdom, their commitment to the dream and the vision has just been amazing. The you know when we started the church in 2007, I tell people money was growing on trees. We were reaching a we were reaching a, a demographic intentionally reaching a demographic of broken and hurting and desperate addicted people mm. the phoenix people that's the name the vision god gave me for who we were going to reach we were going to intentionally target the kind of people that jesus intentionally targeted mm. problem with that is it's a very under-resourced crowd right. so in the early days of the church we had a lot of funding from outside the church, from other churches even. They're like, "Yeah, good right. on you, man. Y'all go do that." And we're, you know, <laughs> y'all we'll, have fun. We'll, we'll write you we'll a check. We'll support that demographic <laughs> by supporting you, and yeah. uh, you know, and yeah. and so that's what we did. But which is know, needed. It, it yeah. is needed, right? Yeah. And uh, but by 2008, all those trees, those money trees, mm -hmm. had been cut down and burned up and used for firewood because the economy was just in in peril. Yeah, and our vision for planting bigger churches with buildings and sort of the American dream church, it, it had just gotten gotten away from us. We yeah. were just surviving. And so really Samuel Chan, Dr. Samuel Chan, leadership guru and writer and author, he wrote a book called Bigger, Faster Leadership. And in that book, he says this, this one line sticks out to me. He says, most vision is born out of need. Mm -hmm. And my great grandmother used to say, necessity is the mother of invention, <laughs> right? So people say, well, you know, did y'all, which came first, the chicken or the egg, the church or the coffee company? And definitely the church came yeah. first. And so it was un, our unwillingness to give up on the transformation that was happening in the lives of the uh, people that we were sharing Christ with. Sure. And it just came to this place like we kept saying, God, we can't afford to keep going. And God kept say, saying to us, well, tell another story about somebody's life who's been transformed. And so we just kept telling these stories, Jonathan, of all these lives that were being transformed. And so we said, well, if it's, if it's your vision for us to keep going, we're going to have to find another way to fund it because the offering plate and this outside funding has gone away. And so that's when we decided that God had given us permission, uh, like Genesis 12 type permission, where he told Abraham to get up and go to the land he would show him. Yeah. That very specific, that's quote, specific, unquote, uh, vision we said lord do we have permission to start a business yes hmm. so we didn't know what kind of business but we all like coffee well jeff has learned to like coffee but we like <laughs> hanging out and drinking coffee and yeah. and and that kind of culture of of the social interaction and so um so we started a coffee company thinking okay rather than a church putting us on their mission budget if they just drink our coffee man jonathan mm -hmm. we didn't have any idea of the plight of the farmers we didn't have any idea about roasting coffee mm -hmm. we were just going to be like third party you know take coffee off the exchange or um guys in athens at jittery joe's charlie and christian great guys uh allowed us to use their coffee and rebrand it as our own and mm -hmm. really great um and we didn't have any idea that we'd be doing what we're doing around the world, yeah. planting nearly 100 churches worldwide, using coffee to pay for it, funding mission, uh, Latino missionaries going all over the world, funding church planting in some, some of the darkest places in the world. Yeah. Had no idea about that. 
we just said yes to what we heard and that gave God permission to take responsibility for the exponential multiplication of the consequences of our obedience. In other words, we got to experience more favor because we were willing to be obedient. You brought a bigger cup to the to the uh, Niagara that's Falls. Exactly right. Yeah. We brought a bigger cup. And we didn't even know it. Yeah. We just kept saying yes cuz you know, mm. we got to that place where many days, many days we would sit around and just kind of stare at the floor, hmm. especially around payday when we would split up <laughs> what was left over. And that's really yeah. what it was, pay the yeah. bills and split what's left. Hmm. And uh, truth is, they got less than me because if, if they had to quit, somebody, you know, I, I, this hmm. was the dream that God gave me. Yeah. And so we would sit around and, and just sort of stare at the floor. Greg had started a landscaping company. Jeff was getting supported um, in, in other ways. And, and and all of our wives were working full-time and carrying the insurance. Yeah. And, man, I got to tell you, if at any time, Jonathan, in any given day, one of them, either one, had said, I'm out, I don't think I could have survived. Hmm. But they just kept showing up, which is another principle of ours. If you want to see God work in your life, keep showing up. Yeah. Just keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep saying hmm. yes. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's, and then the coffee company was born, and then we were introduced to the idea that Jesus-loving indigenous farmers are getting um, taken advantage of in the worst ways with hmm. slave labor wages, and we're like, well, how would we, how could we change that? And we had a mission-minded friend of ours who was all over Central America, he says, well, what if y'all went straight to the farmer and started buying coffee directly yeah. from them? He said, he, he helped us understand the global economics that we, again, as youth pastors, old youth pastors that have turned church planters, we had no idea about global yeah. economics. We all probably just skated by in that class in yeah, college. Yeah, give, give me the 30,000-foot view of, of what you were saying, though, of you didn't understand how it worked everywhere else and how those farmers were being taken advantage right. of. We're, we're pretty insulated in America, there. wouldn't yeah. you say? No doubt. Yeah, it pretty insulated. <laughs> no so when you, you, you go and we listen to marketing, here's an example. One of, the, one of the businesses that we started looking at before coffee was biofuel. Now, when I say we, I mean me because I drive a diesel. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm looking at biofuel because of Chick-fil-A, because yeah. of Truck Kathy. I got a meeting with Dan and said, look, what would it look like if I collected all your peanut oil and refined it and made it into biofuel as a revenue stream? My idea was really to use it as a revenue stream, but to open coffee shops with like a biofuel pump out front, right. kind of like a gas station coffee shop. And I had right. this idea in my head and literally I was two weeks uh, late on getting that account. Now, what would have it looked like mm -hmm. if Phoenix community biofuel company <laughs> but I, my family was going to europe in 2008 as kind of a once in a lifetime thing with my parents and mm -hmm. and I, I toured the algae farms where they were squeezing algae into biofuel now that was 2008 that was 11 years ago yeah well guess what's on tv right now exxon is out there doing mm -hmm. biofuel with algae well, i'm going I'm not that smart, man. I mean, like, I was doing that. I was talking about that in 2008, right? Yeah. And, and so, the, 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 in other words, we just trust marketing. We trust advertising. We trust government agencies like Fair mm -hmm. Trade and organic certifications. And we just, we just trust it. 
Yeah. Like, okay. But what we're fi- what we found out is that the fair trade, everything has layers. Anything that has layers has corruption. Mm. I figured that out when I was the chaplain for uh, the high school football team over here. And uh, one summer they were doing peanut butter sandwiches uh, after after workouts. And it was a, it was a government-subsidized peanut butter sandwich. You had to have peanut butter sandwiches. You had to have a fruit and, and, and you know, or something. Maybe not peanut butter. Maybe it was something else. But it was a sandwich, a fruit, and a, and a milk. Yeah. And, and – and, I was on the board of the football team, and, and and a dude was like scamming money on peanut butter sandwiches. Like he was inflating the number of sandwiches he said he was delivering. Hmm. I mean, when there's layers, there's corruption, yeah. and that's how it is with fair trade. There's layers. I mean, yes, it, it started out as a good deal. Like some guys in in, in from New York in a in, in alligator skin shoes went out onto a farm somewhere in Central mm-hmm. America and goes, "Oh, this is terrible. We need to do better." And so what they did was created layers to do better, mm-hmm. but they weren't going to get their alligator skin shoes dirty again. Right. So these layers started getting corrupt. Now, yeah. coffee next to oil is the highest traded commodity on the commodities market. In other words, second only to oil, yeah. coffee gets traded and goes through more hands and more transactions before consumed than anything other than oil. Yeah. Well, what that means is there's eight layers of corruption mm-hmm. available. Doesn't, not always, but here's what happens is that this is from our farmers. We're not saying this. We didn't get into this to know this, mm-hmm. but our farmers say unmarked vans come in, pay them the lowest price. Mm-hmm. Then they sell to an unmarked van who sells to an unmarked van who sells to a name brand for fair trade. Fourth purchase or fifth purchase is Mm -hmm. fair trade. But here's what our farmers tell us, that everybody knows down there. That logo on that van that pays fair trade also owns all the vans. (laughs) Like owns it from the beginning. So the actual one that says they're paying fair trade is actually the first one. And so what we do is is we, we cut out those seven transactions where all that corruption can take place yeah. and we go directly to the farmer from that's when you look around the warehouse and see all this coffee yeah. very rarely will you go anywhere um, that has this much coffee on hand and we're mm. little but we just happen to buy as much as we can possibly leverage right. so that everything that comes out of our roastery has a kingdom purpose sure yeah and so the the, the margin's going directly back to the farmer and not to the seven middle Yeah, men. 10 times more than fair trade yeah. direct to the farmer. And when I say 10 times more than fair trade, I don't mean what's the price in the Bloomberg report. I'm talking about the price that the farmer actually gets. Yeah. And we're paying, you know, we're paying so much per pound that we have no um, worry about sustainability. Hmm with uh, um with our our farmers they're right. not gonna sell to anybody else why because right now uh, especially coffee is in a crisis um yeah. uh, uh, brazil has has flooded the specialty market with coffee so mm. much so that that coffee farmers are abandoning their crops yeah why because they they, they can't afford those nickels mm. and so our farmers even though a few years ago they were they were looking at us going you know the market's getting close to the price you're paying us. Mm. Like they were starting to look over the fence at some other people. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, but they won't be paying that when the market goes down. Right. And sure enough, here we are paying it mm. here. And so we've got, these are Jesus loving indigenous farmers. We don't deal with Americans. 
we deal with indigenous because the indigenous we found have been on the field being generous way before we started paying that that high price for the coffee yeah so you said you knew none of this going in well as you get into the business and you decide okay coffee is what we're going to do you start learning all these things and here 10 years later you have a very clear culture and goal with this company that you originally created to you know fund fund this church plant talk about the mission and the goal of uh, Phoenix Roasters now in, in 2019 and how that's evolved from yeah. when you first opened day one. Again, Jeff and Greg and I have had this dream of planting multiple churches. Once mm-hmm. we got out of that mindset that we were going to buy land, build a building, have a giant church, and got into the mindset that that New Testament church doesn't have to have walls. It mm-hmm. just has to have people, right? I mean, since we were a kid, we made that, that little thing with our hands. We said, you know, here's the church and here's the steeple. <laughs> when you look inside, here's the people. Well, that's, that's the church. Yeah. You know, the people are the church. And so we began, again, necessity um, breeds vision. And necessity mm-hmm. is where, you know, a lot of times where vision starts. And so for us, we came to the realization because we couldn't afford buildings well, you know, there's a lot of places that are closed on Sunday. Yeah. And a lot of times Christians own those places. Mm. It's like, huh. So what? So we call it church on the cheap, mm. right? Now we have a coffee company. Well, we can barter coffee for space mm. on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and like Still Fire Brewing in, in Swanee, Georgia. Brand yep. spanking new beer brewing place. Awesome beer, awesome people. Mm. Um and guess what? We got church there on Sunday. We we installed about ten thousand dollars worth of coffee equipment there. Yeah. They, you know, so here we go. We got Love church it. on Sunday. They got coffee during the week. Yeah. It's good. It's a win win. Yeah. Yeah. So you get into you get into the business and things uh, things start happening. Tell me about the early days of uh, the roastery. Tell me about your, your product line. How did you decide what you were going to start uh, providing and, and who your target target market was going to be? How did you kind of work through those early steps? Bro, we, <laughs> yeah, we just... <laughs> Painstakingly. Like, you don't even know, man. I mean, it was, it was so... It was like I would go into these churches to meet with these pastors and my hat would be in my hand and I'd be like, mm-hmm. please, sir... Please, please buy coffee for the poor pastors. You know, please. And they'd be like, oh, oh, oh. What, well, who else is using your coffee? And I'd be like, sir, we need you to be the first to use our coffee. You know, and they'd be like, oh, I'll be gone with you. You know, and we'd be, you know, I mean, it was just, it was embarrassing and it was humiliating. And sadly, some of those churches have closed, you know, mm. and probably not related. But <laughs> if so, you know, I don't know. But But, uh, I mean, it was it was anybody we did, Jonathan, we did more fundraising to get our name out there. Mm. Fundraisers, you talk about the lowest of margins on fundraising. I Mm. was roasting the coffee. I caught the coffee uh, roaster on fire, like literally like this whole place was full of smoke and flames coming out. It looked like the space shuttle trying to take off in the back. (laughs) And I mean, it was, it was an unbelievable day. It was like in January of 2008, no, January, 2011, (laughs) January, 2011. I'll never forget it. We had a big contract to, to provide these little 
uh, coffee favors for this um, company and man we were just we had volunteers and it was it was wild all of a sudden that roaster caught on fire man and uh, it was awful but i mean that was you know that's again me being in charge right so, yeah. i mean when west came along got a lot better but our systems and structures have gotten so much better everything that happens in this 6,000 square feet mm -hmm. today used to happen in about 900 square feet right back in here yeah and uh systems and structures have gotten really solid um you know leading us to things like uh, uh nitro infused craft beverages hmm. um well, you know the early days it was it was really anybody we had we had a kid uh living in my basement who was in my youth group and i i told him i said okay you can live in my basement on the couch if you'll be my graphic artist yeah and so he did graphic artist work individual labels for uh, people raising money, schools and churches and youth yeah. groups and bands and, and nonprofits. And I, we had more labels, but at the same time he was learning coding. And so he developed this robust website where people could have their own private webpage with a private URL and people could go to that webpage and purchase coffee and yeah. come through our system and we'd label it. So we had all these buckets of private labels <laughs> that we were private labeling everything and it was wild well as yeah. it turns out that guy's name is morgan lopes and morgan now owns a company called polar notion a branding and marketing company in wow. downtown atlanta brilliant young man mm -hmm. he and uh, uh josh wood his best friend owned this company together mm -hmm. And it all started in my basement, being my my graphic <laughs> troll. You know, he was like, you know, he would, yeah. he would he worked as the chancellor for the medieval knights. You know, and would do my graphics and live on my couch. And yeah. and now he's a dude, man. And he's it's just awesome. Yeah. It just it just all kind of worked together. You know, the Romans eight twenty eight principle: God works out everything to the good of those who love Him mm -hmm. and are called according to His purpose. We just kept saying yes and selling coffee everywhere we could. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, the nitro infused craft beverage, the, you know, Starbucks just put a report out last quarter saying that their 7% growth last quarter is directly attributed to nitro. Uh, and so here we have a, a patent on the system that has the, the creamiest, thickest nitro head that we, we put on everything. Yeah. You know, so we've got restaurants, bars, um, uh, coffee shops, yeah. churches you know, using our nitro. So, yeah, that's cool. And that you just, just kind of st uh, stole my uh, next question was just talk uh -huh. a little bit about your, your product line now and, um, kind of who your, your main clientele that you're selling to now is and kind of what you're using. How do you leverage those relationships with your right. customers now to kind of advance the mission of what Phoenix is trying to do? Well, that's a great, uh, it's a great segue. We, uh, leaving in, uh, in December, with a, a group of corporate executives to go mm. down to the farms. Yeah. And this is not a church group. And, uh, and it's going to be amazing to go down there. And, uh, they, 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 they heard about us. They, they, they just like flipping out, you know, like, what do y'all do? You pay what? And they, <laughs> and so they got so intrigued about it yeah. that they said, we want to go. And so I'm taking eight of their, their CEO, their top yeah. sales guys down to the farm, and we're, we're going to work on the farm. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting. So it's uh, this idea that 
uh, of, um, of this global change, this doing good. We say with millions of under-resourced families caught in a cycle of poverty, mm-hmm. we provide dignified hope and relief through the sale of excellent coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. Coffee is fueling this global cycle of relief. It is this, it is this catalyst, it is this fuel that is literally planting churches, paying farmers more. The trickle down of farmers getting paid more is that they're paying their migrant workers more. Right. The trickle down of their migrant workers getting paid more is they don't have to pull their kids out of school in second grade to come mm. pick coffee. So now kids are going to school four to six grades longer. Yeah. The, the trickle down of education and, um, and, and Jesus is that you begin to see sustain, you know, systemic poverty changed. And uh, we never got into planting churches in Atlanta to change systemic poverty in third world <laughs> coffee growing cultures. Yeah. But the consequences of saying yes to God and being obedient to what he's calling you to do is you give up permission of, of where this is leading yeah. so that he can, you know, exponentially multiply the impact of your obedience, that favor cycle. Certainly. Yeah. Talk to me about the brand uh, in 2019, Phoenix Roasters, looking at a, a cup with the logo on now. Like, you know, pretty pretty sharp uh, branding here, by the way. Yeah, yeah, the, the basement troll created that Yeah, logo. the basement Morgan, troll. Yeah, Morgan Lopes. Love it. CEO of uh, Polar Notion, by the way. I yeah. say that only because that that is the direct result. I, mean, I like our, basement troll. Yeah, we'll our, bra- our, our branding yeah. is just... By the way, he's a father with two beautiful daughters and a beautiful wife, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that, but no, yeah. no he's great. No, so you're it. right, though. Um, the branding, uh, what was the rest of the question? Yeah, just kind of. so that's kind of the, the front porch of your company at this point is the brand, you know, that people that don't necessarily know the story yet, um, the brand's important. And we've sure talked to a lot of companies about that. So what what is the, you know, the the first few things uh, that you're saying in an inter- interaction with a, a potential new client or, you know, a customer now at the, uh, at the, um, um the key well, not the kiosk. What do you guys call the, the place in Alpharetta? Oh yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. At phase family center at the, uh, yeah. phase commons at the uh, coffee shop there right. in the commons area. Right. So you have people yeah. interacting directly now sure. with your, with your brand, maybe for the first time, well, what are you hoping they kind of get from, from the brand? Have you ever bought a car and like, you're like, man, they're, I know there's not, like, I don't ever see an orange Subaru on the car, <laughs> on the road. And then you buy that car, yeah. and you, you're like, there's orange Subarus everywhere, everywhere yep. right? And you don't notice it till you have one. Same thing with the Phoenix. Did you notice, have you ever noticed how many companies in Atlanta are named Phoenix? I haven't. You know why? Because you don't own a company named Phoenix. But in right. Atlanta specifically, the Phoenix look, is t- the- Take a look at that logo down below you on that mic flag, though. I don't know if you can tell. Oh, it is. And there's a little element of that. Looks like a phoenix. Yeah, a little little something, you know. Phoenix and Atlanta are pretty. Well, do you know why? Yeah, the city was literally burned down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what's great is, is when for us, we look at the Bible, we see that Jesus was always walking towards Hmm. people ready to rise from the ashes. And that was our city, right? Our city yeah. rose up. It's a better city because I've got a lot of work to do, but it's yeah. better than it was. It's true. And so um, here in Gwinnett County, do you know what the last chance high school of Gwinnett County is called? I don't. Phoenix, Phoenix. High School. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. That people that you know got run out for drugs yeah. or pregnant or whatever, <laughs> they end up getting one more shot at a high school called Phoenix High yeah. School. I love that. 
second chance, last chance. That's that's who Jesus was always headed towards. Mm. And so when we started the, the church, I felt very strongly that God was telling me it's the Phoenix community, not the yeah. Phoenix community church. So we say that sometimes it's the Phoenix community of Atlanta mm. and about to be the Phoenix community of Athens. As we get ready to plant our fifth church, mm. Phoenix community in Buford and Gainesville and Swanee and Duluth. Yeah. You know, we've got the Phoenix community online live every morning, Facebook live mm. under my profile, Brian T. Holland. Mm. It's, uh, um, it's the, it's the, um, uh, eight at eight, eight minutes at eight o'clock in the morning. Well, yeah. My wife says, yeah, it's really more like 18 at 8, but it's, uh, it's a, a word of inspiration yeah. every morning. And that's a, that's a whole community. That's a worldwide community that hops on every, every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 o'clock. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the brand for us. The Phoenix is the kind of people – I think it's a very trustworthy group of people mm. that have been broken up and burned up, and they're ready to rise up. I found mm. that um, uh, like brokenness – attracts where different mindedness repels yeah. and so when you have a light brokenness even if my brokenness is not the same as yours but we've come through it we have this sort of like trust that we we understand we we've both been shaped by our uh, experiences yeah and so the phoenix is is a huge part of our brand and of course for you know, people, we, the number one question we get in uh, the coffee company is, "Oh, are y'all in Phoenix, Arizona?" No, no, no. Oh, no. It's great. We get to say, yeah. "Yeah, no." This is born out of a, a provides um, an opportunity. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, typically, planning a church and running a business are very different things. But in this conversation, I'm hearing um, from you guys that that's not necessarily the case hopefully by design the same principles that go into planting the church are going to be there and are going to be active and are going to be present in the business community um that you guys are being exposed to like you said with this trip with ceos an opportunity that that may not have been there just for church planners oh, you got that you right know. so is that a struggle for you um on a daily weekly yearly basis to to remember that and to, to state true to that um is is the competition that sometimes uh business breeds how, how do you reconcile those things and uh, is, that, great, is that a struggle yeah. I, I i need to read a book that you, you're going to write to give me the answer to that john <laughs> i'm sure you, you got a better view no for me it's just this uh this ongoing belief that um you know yes that they, they are two different containers two different silos but yet they 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 cross pollinate a lot mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a standpoint of, of using the coffee company to keep church on the cheap, for example, yeah. uh, in the early days, uh, the pastors were taking their salaries out of the, the church. Mm. Um, and, and our desire was to give more money away as a church. So as the coffee company began to grow and it began to take more out of the coffee company, yeah. even though we're not taking hardly any, but we're taking some and that's mm-hmm. great i mean coffee company's for profit the the church is non-profit and we got great great advice early on like you don't want to have two non-profits sharing money mm-hmm. because that just creates all kinds of red flags right. and right. and so man we pay unto caesar and we we pay taxes and we pay <laughs> employment taxes and we yeah. i mean we we lo- we love being good citizens with our sure. coffee company a for-profit pa- tax-paying organization mm-hmm. um but yeah, it's hard sometimes because men, 
you know, men typically work in compartments. Mm-hmm. They don't typically multitask well. <laughs> so for us, we're always working yeah. in two compartments, two um, buckets. And, and, and so, um, you know, everybody in my church has my cell phone number. You mm-hmm. know, in today's world where pastors have their own security and bodyguards, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, anybody can call me at any time. At the same time, I may be across the, the world somewhere uh, on a farm in Ethiopia like I was this time last year or uh, in Guatemala or Honduras or Nicaragua, yeah. Panama, somewhere, you know. And, and so I uh, never know where you're going to catch me, but most of the time if I don't answer, I'll get back to you. Yeah. And so those are those are interesting things. You know, we, we support the Atlanta Mission uh, to end homelessness here in Atlanta. We are super active. I go down every Tuesday and work with a group of committed businessmen in our city to teach discipleship <laughs> to men who've just walked off the street that slept in under a bridge last night. Yeah. And, um, and that is a, an incredible, um, privilege I have. It is a shared, uh, ministry. It's a brotherhood. If I was doing it by myself, I don't know that I would, but I got yeah. invited by a great friend to come down there and been doing that on Tuesdays for the last 10 years. Mm. Uh, from that, however, I've got like three of my board members are, are actually leaders that te- help us teach on on uh, Tuesday mornings. And uh, what a privilege it is yeah. to, to walk that kind of ministry together. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think it's it is definitely not easy to to be able to be CEO of one, lead pastor of the other mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And luckily for me, I, my mind works like a lotto ball machine. I tell people, I say, look, all the information's in there bouncing around. Now you ha- you really don't ever really know what ping pong ball is going to. So when it pops out, you better deal with it because if it goes back in, you don't know when it's going to roll back out. So unfortunately, yeah. all ping pong balls are always being added to the mix. So yeah. there's a, a lot going on. Tell us. Uh, our audience here in the in the city of Atlanta, how can they um, touch, feel, experience uh, Phoenix Roasters? Where can we find you? How can we uh, experience the product or uh, get yeah, behind the mission that. better yet? It, it, look, yeah. um, we're in coffee shops all over. Our yeah. technology for nitros in coffee shops all over. If you're down in the Grant Park area, full commission, David mm-hmm. Traxler, those guys down there are fantastic. If you're uh, in the Duluth area, you got Simply Done Donuts, yeah. and, and they're fantastic and great friends. And uh, Nacho Daddy serves our hot coffee mm-hmm. across the street there. And um, if you're in uh, Cumming, Georgia, you got the Community Cup over there, and they mm-hmm. they actually mix our nitro with uh, adult adult beverages mm-hmm. over there. And so mm-hmm. that's a that's a lot of fun. Truck and Tap and Woodstock and and Alpharetta and and Duluth, they mm-hmm. use our nitro of course still fire brewing in swanee yeah. uh uses our nitro and um we've got our first retail shop you can come in have a seat work strong wi-fi over in alpharetta off of morris road yeah. uh, at the uh, phases commons area there and it is a beautiful place mm. it's a great place to have meetings and hold events but also a great cup of coffee and nitro every day so you know our our fall flavors like baked cinnamon apple tastes like a uh a uh, apple pie or taste uh, yeah. our maple brown sugar vanilla chai or sweet maple chai is what it's called but uh, yeah. yeah you can you can get it and of course online phoenixroasters.coffee uh, free shipping anywhere in the country we mm. ship coffee all over the country in every state and including Hawaii and uh, so yeah so you can yeah. phoenixroasters.coffee 
go online and you can get it to, to you in no time. I ask everybody a question and I can't leave without asking you this one. 10 years down the line, what does, uh, what does Phoenix Roasters look like? What are your goals? What are your dreams uh, for what the future holds? Sure, sure. No, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I'm not a prophet. Mm-hmm. I, I may be a futurist, right? Mm-hmm. I, I see Phoenix Roasters, the coffee company, mm-hmm. uh, specifically funding um, social justice and missions all over the world, expanding that through creative products and excellent coffee. We say we've got um, wedding feast quality, right? We're not waiting <laughs> to the very end of the party. We're here on the front end of the uh, third wave with excellent coffee, but it's it's all specialty grade. Mm-hmm. I really see um, from, a, from a coffee company standpoint, getting the idea to the American people that if you would be conscious with everything you're doing, everything you're saying everything you're supporting man this is going to be a much greater place in 10 years to live phoenix roasters i think is an example for people of of how you can do business and impact the world just by saying yes to the right thing when you say yes to the right thing and it is in all mankind womankind it is in all humankind to say yes to the right thing. We have a moral compass. We know that if I would just do unto others as I wanted them to do unto me, mm-hmm. and this is this is what I've learned, is that uh, when, when you can do that through a company for coffee that you love, then yeah. anybody can do it, whether it's lemonade or Newman's spaghetti sauce or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. If everybody would be conscious in how they use their money and how they spend their time, and what they sacrifice in, man, this place is going to be a much better place in 10 years. For more information or to order some product for yourself, visit phoenixroasters.coffee. Special thanks go out to Chris Hilliard, Joshua Pruitt, Mackenzie Bates, and our families who make it all possible. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.